This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, you heard it. Sports reporters, we've assembled. It's Friday, so that is what we are doing. We are assembling. It is a beautiful day here in Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't know what the weather is like in New York, where Bob Silverman is up there making some some good old Manhattan root beer coffee is, I think, the actual no. phrase for it. Bob, how are you? Wrong. I'm fine. As you may have seen on Twitter.com, there was a lot of snow in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's snowy. It's very pretty. It wasn't debilitating. It's fine. And, you know, none of us are really traveling that far anyway, or at least none of us in the blog minds. So it's nice. Snow. There you go. Um, Andrew Hammond up there in the Northwest. How is the weather in the Northwest? Is it raining today? It was raining this morning. Here, here, here's the thing about the Pacific Northwest. Break it down, man. Like, there's no snow. I mean, there's snow, you know, like in in high, more high altitude areas. The issue here is, is that the sun could come out by like noon, by one thirty, two o'clock. You can see the sun already going down. So there's like really no consistent sunlight in the morning. Like on a on a on a standard day, you'll barely see the sun, and then when you see, oh, the sun's out and it's going down. Um, yeah, I like to call this uh, weather Baltic Depression. Uh, so you know, like I feel like I would like be in like Estonia or one one of the Estonias or one of the you know Onia type countries where you're just like ah. Oh. It is another gray morning in my land. Uh, I shall, I, sh- I, I shall find food and goods for my family. How is the uh, <laughs> how is the living situation? Has that improved in the last week? Did you resolve? Oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, okay. I'll have to talk off the pod about uh, some sh- some shenanigans that sh- that that are trying to be uh, enforced. So uh, yeah. Okay. For the podcast listeners, Andrew has set up his own um, his own chaz, uh, his own uh, <laughs> autonomous zone. Um, it's a little weird. No one knew that uh, Andrew was actually the leader of Antifa. Uh, so mm. breaking news. Um, but Andrew is setting up his own. He's declared himself the feudal warlord of the chaz, and you know it's difficult when you're when you're leading uh, when you when you're leading a, uh, an insurrection. So, By proxy. You know. There yeah. you go. Um, Bob, before we get into some some news that Andrew is chomping at the bit to get into, um, <laughs> explain explain the soda to the listeners who have no idea okay. what, what you're making. This yes, is going to be my favorite thing of the week. Okay. Basically, Manhattan Special Coffee Soda was the drink to have, at least when I was a youth growing up in New York City, and you needed a buzz before school and didn't want to go the jolt or Mountain Dew route. It is a super highly caffeinated beverage, but it also has a metric fuck ton of sugar in it. Basically, as I was explaining to to young Chase, it tastes like a coffee ish version of root beer. It is quite yummy. Um, It's, you know, and and it's uh, and it's sold in delightful little glass bottles, and you can get it in various, um, you know, Seven Elevens along I ninety and bodegas and wherever beverages are sold. But it's great. I love it. It is the super caffeine go go drink of my youth. 
they don't have it in any bodegas in my neighborhood. Um, you kind of, you know, it's a bit of a catch as catch cat can thing where you, if you find it or not. And I said to myself, hey, we're all learning new skills during core. Why don't I see if I can reverse engineer my own Manhattan special coffee soda? Because the basic ingredients are coffee and sugar and carbonated water. So I do own a soda stream. Um, shouts to Scarlett Johansson. Um, and that's a, it's been a delightful purchase of mine because uh, I, I dig seltzer and I've, I've weaned myself mostly off soda. But the way you make it is I made a pot of coffee. I then took it off the pot, put it in a saucepan and boiled it down to reduce much, most of the water. When I've dropped the volume by about half, I start adding sugar, a lot of sugar. And basically what you make is as you cook it and the sugar caramelizes is a cough, a thick concentrated coffee syrup. Then you let that sit and cool. Once it's cooled, you make a pint of your soda stream carbonated soda, slowly pour in what was a full pot of coffee and has now been reduced to about like four ounces. So you have to be very careful because you will make a four local level caffeine type drink if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're not uh, delicate with your measurement hand. And you simply add it to the soda stream and boom, instant Manhattan special coffee soda. It's quite delicious. Wow. I was not expecting all of that. But that, that's a lot going in. And I, I like that. Um, I like that. Um, it's too it's boiling water, pretty much. That's the most complicated technique. And then stirring the sugar so you don't burn it during the caramelization process. Andrew, are you going to make this? Probably not. <laughs> My friend would do this thing. He would make, uh, when I was in college, he would make what he called jungle coffee. And the way he would do it is he would, I mean, basically he's making a cappuccino, but he would make a pot of coffee and then put it into a pan, add milk, and bring it to a boil so the milk boils. So you're uh. basically jerry-rigging a cappuccino look a cappuccino what do you think a cappuccino is man it's steamed milk i guess yeah I don't know. I that's just, it true i don't know just thinking about it on like a a college stovetop i don't know it just seems kind of gross to me yeah it was it was a little uh it wasn't like an oven we had right it was a little hot plate yeah all it right was a hot plate we used to make jiffy pop but it was quite good delicious okay Okay, I like it. You learn and something new every day. And this the beverages section of the Chase Thomas podcast. It's anyway, a very important time to have special coffee soda is quite good, or try making it on your own. I encourage everyone to experiment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I encourage people to experiment. I encourage people to revisit Runaway Bride, the classic film of the '90s with Richard Gere and um, Julia Roberts. That I watched. You're welcome. I watched it last night. Still, still slaps quality movie I, I like that andrew likes that um andrew are you tired buddy I, I, I feel like you've had a week um I, you know okay i haven't had like a really long week really i mean it's compared to last week um it's just been you know when you're running a race and it's almost at the end and you're tired and you're just kind of over everything. Like nobody can motivate you. Like you can no longer be motivated. You can no longer feel like, Oh, if I use this, you know, if I use what was said in this training, it can help me. Like nothing exists right now. Um, or, like people are just screaming into the void. I'm ready for 2020 to end. I, I, I just want the damn race to be over. Other than that, everything's fine. I feel that. I feel that. Um, well, Andrew, you were you were chomping at the bit, as I alluded to at the top of this podcast, to talk about one particular thing that uh, got uh, people in Bob's mentions, a certain kind of demographic in Bob's Twitter mentions this week. Um, Andrew, would you like to start... With what you, what kind of uh, heat you want to bring on this particular subject matter? I I don't want to, I don't want to put it like <laughs> that. 
Um, I, I do. I do just want to say that. Um, quite frankly, fuck Barstool. Um, <laughs> I'm, and, and I say this, and it's not one of those. Oh, I can't stand Barstool, you know. And this is what. No, we all know why they're trash. I'm just. I'm sick of this. Oh, this whole boys will be boys type of, you know, Peter Pan and the Lost Boy bullshit that they do. Like, I'm just, I'm tired of it. And it's this, oh, well, we aren't really that bad. No, you're basically all those parlor idiots that are staying on Twitter because you're fearless leader. Like, it... I'm I'm tired of Barstool. Like I'm tired of this. Oh, Dave's a good guy. No, he's not. He's a piece of shit. Like like call it for what it is. Like there there are some people that I'd want to root for that are pieces of shit. Dave's a piece of shit. I'm not rooting for him, so it's easier to say that. But Dave's a piece of shit. And everybody associated with that place is because it is I'm giving you what you want, which I don't know what the hell these guys want. But it's I I haven't left my fraternity, but or or I've left my fraternity and I've graduated. But these guys make me feel like I'm one of the boys again, like the whole Saturday is for the boys it's it's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's I want Animal House sequels, but I'm doing it online now. Like it's it's so trash. And it's not surprising that their biggest targets are minorities, women, like anybody who who goes against them is at the wrath of the quote unquote stoolies, which is basically just watching, um, you know, watching the little fucking gremlins and you pour water on them and they multiply. Uh, I mean, that's essentially what they are. And it's everything that, Oh, Dave is so cool, man. Yeah. Dave's like the douchebag guys that shows up to parties and he's like been out of college 15 years and he's still showing up to, to the, you know, to the, to the 21 and up bar, even though he graduated like 15, 20 years ago and he's still going out like three times a week. Like Dave, nobody cares. And this whole, they essentially just do stuff for attention and yes, it is, it is easier to say, you know what, let's not pay them any mind. Let's not, you know, let's ignore them. After a while, you got to squash the fucking fly. And I feel like in 2021, we got to do that with this place. And I'm tired. I'm tired of the attitude and the cult-like behavior because it's harassment. It's internet harassment. It's not funny. It's it's rude. It's very cruel. And I'm tired of people giving them a pass. And and it's not just a, oh well, you know, this is what they do. It's having them on their podcasts. It's having this this brand infiltrate and I hate saying it like that, but it's, it, but infiltrating, I guess, mainstream and and them still trying to be like, oh, we're the scrappy little underdog. No, no, you, you, you can't act like that and still want to be labeled as a scrappy underdog. You guys are fucking trash. Huh, that felt good to say. Mm. I don't think they're going anywhere. And that is Sadly. something that... Um... That what's been weird development in the last like two weeks has been uh, the accidentally ha- one of my favorite things is the accidental leftist account on Twitter, and he is stumbling into some accidental leftism where his rant about 
destroying businesses in New York. He, like, he's not wrong that (laughs) just (laughs) guess I'll die meme is basically what's happening here in movie theaters and restaurants, everything else. When you close down, when you don't give them money when they're closed down, you can't have one without the other. So there's nothing wrong with that. But he's missing the point of like, well, yeah, the federal government should have stepped in and should have done all these things and then whatever he was doing this week with the just giving what fund the relief fund bob you can speak you want me to this. all right yeah so here's the deal like portnoy has gotten a lot of attention particularly from like the right-wing press since covid started for these for his direct-to-camera periscope rants um he's been on Kate, tucker like, right he's been re- like he's been a repeated guest on tucker carlson for going back two years now, okay two and a half years He's, he's, he's a regular guest on the White Nationalist Power Hour. Um, and, but, like, he, throughout COVID, every now and then, he will start screaming about how the lockdowns are bad. Um, he has pegged that assessment to a bunch of different stuff. Sometimes it's just that they're bad and people should be allowed to live their lives. And if they want to die from COVID, well, you know, look, life is about risks. You can't destroy a small business. He like dabbled in COVID truthering at the beginning. Um, you know, he's called Fauci like a monster, or a, that's not the exact quote, but it's like something like that. He's, you know, that's basically things that have made the larger right wing media ecosystem take notice of Portnoy as a political actor. So here's the deal: they set up a fund, which is probably going to raise a like easily seven, possibly eight figures to help out struggling small businesses. And in a vacuum and script of context, that is absolutely a good thing. Let me make that, I kind of thought that was clear from what I tweeted, but in retrospect, probably not. Like them raising money to help people out, especially thing I think this is one of the few times their fundraisers hasn't been for a cop. Um, Them using that audience to help raise money for people in need, great. Full stop. Great job, guys. But I don't think you can strip that act from the larger context of where Barstool sits in the conservative media ecosystem, which is it's a kind of accessible point of entry for dudes, for white dudes of a certain age who find anyone else talking about who find people who talk about sexism or racism or systemic inequalities or injustice, let alone say, you know, late period capitalism, to be uh, an incredible irritant on their mostly frictionless lifestyle. And, you know, Barstool from the beginning, and, you know, I've done a bunch of reports, I've done a bunch of reporting about the place, and, and like, they don't have, like, as much as, you know, even though Portnoy sold MAGA hats back in the summer of 2015 and said he endorsed Donald Trump, um, their political ethos is very much that everyone else's politics are an incredible burden to them and that anyone else's suffering is somehow like speaking out about that is, is an impingement on their basic freedoms and rights and that they are being, that they are the real victims here. That is. I think the best way of describing what their politics are. And that is essentially a conservative political ethos. Um, one that says like, well, we don't want to talk about politics, but yeah, they do. And it exists. And they want to talk um, about even their if, politics. That's always been the, well, no, the they, 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 they find that anyone else is like it. Like I said, I think that what it is is like, like when someone says like, Hey, you shouldn't say things like, Colin Kaepernick has terrorist skin. And when you say that, that's racist, that that's somehow like that everyone who's doing so is a killjoy. And why can't we just make racist and sexist jokes? And why are you constantly saying, cut that shit out and pointing to the actual harm that it does? Um, And that, you know, it's again, it's very much in line with this, uh, the belief that a certain type of white dude is specifically burdened by today's political climate, which by the way, is only a few short steps 
to what you'll find on like a white nationalist message board. It's not the same thing. I'm not calling them white nationalists. Let me be very clear about that. I am not. I'm saying that there, there is like, you can find ways in which their grievances overlap. I mean, just look at what um, happened to you. Like some of the shit that they're throwing at you. What happened to me is nothing. Like, like, like I pointed out that like, what I pointed out was that like, yeah, the left from democratic politicians to like the actual democratic party to leftist political organizations have failed to like make people's lives materially better, especially yeah. during quarantine. They failed before that too. It's just been put in relief now. They have failed at that. And if you want to say, well, the Republicans are worse and, and they've engaged in obstructionism and refused to, yes, that's all true. But they have failed to even say like, no, actually our political, ethos, our political platform is we are going to help people. And here's how. Um, and they failed. And so what happens is when, when the left fails to do that, far-right actors jump into that void. It's why the it's why Josh Hawley, who is as cynical a chud as you'll find in politics, is teaming up with Bernie Sanders right now to advocate for a twelve hundred dollar, which is still a pittance, you know, relief check. Now, Bernie Sanders is in a position where he can tell Josh Hawley to go sit on attack because he wants to get people those monies. But like that, like if you want to know how a far right populist movement works. The first thing they do is give people, give their supporters things that they want, like money, which is why my most fervently held belief is that if Donald Trump had sent out $2,000 monthly checks throughout the entirety of the lockdowns and, and COVID, he would have won in a landslide. Bingo. He would have won in a That's all he had to do. You know, people laughed at him when he wrote his name in a giant Sharpie on the check, but that shit works. A certain percentage of people, who knows how many, thought that the money was coming from his pocket. David Cross is the exact same bit about this about Bush. Do you remember from his early stand-up in like the early two thousands where he he has this whole thing where I'm going to get me a check from Bush, and that was like the reason that he got uh, he got reelected is because of the stimulus check that he got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, was like, like the twenty Bush years ago. Cut. Yeah, people thought the Bush tax like even though the vast majority of the Bush tax cuts, like the Trump tax cuts, went to corporations and the top one to 5% of the population, people thought that the relatively meager cut in their own taxes meant that Bush was on their side. Yeah. But, you know, I'm getting a little afield here. In any case, so when Portnoy does something like do this fundraiser, which again, good thing, good on him. But, like... I, what I was I am not saying that Portnoy is trying to recruit people into a future fascist party, but what I I'll am say it. <laughs> what I am saying is that this functions in the exact same way that authoritarian regimes all over the world work. The first thing they do is rob from Peter to pay supporter Paul, and that was the big failing of the Trump of the, of, of the Trump administration as a project is that they didn't like they were too incompetent to run the the standard brand authoritarian playbook, which is give your supporters what they want. Give them money. Like, and he could have done that. It would have been like, you know, God, you know, like I wouldn't have even said, no, that's a bad thing that everyone's being given enough money to ride out the pandemic, even if it helps him get elected. Like, yeah, you support that because it's going to help people who are hurting. So that was the point I was trying to make is that he is that when when like the governments utterly fail to protect the needs of their citizens, right wing actors move into that void. And that's what Porno was doing. And again, I just want to stress this: like them raising like eight figures and helping businesses. Great. Good job, guys. The fact that. The fact that, like, the satirical men's lifestyle blog is able to do more than either local or national government is an incredibly damning statement yes. about the state of America right now. Like, it's the same thing when, like, Guy Fieri, God bless him, 
is you know raising twenty million or however however much he's raised to help out restaurants. Awesome, that's great. It's the GoFundMe you know fundraiser that they hold for a mom who doesn't have health care so she can get her cancer treatment. It's like yeah, it's kind of heartwarming, but boy does it reveal how utterly fucked everything is. Yes. We see that story all the time where it's just yeah. like, this is not a happy story. Y'all are missing the point. Like, yes, it's good on them for helping, but like, you're missing hey, the broader oh, point so, here. So this so. adorable child is raising money so her kids will have school supplies. No, no. That is not the feel-good segment at the end of the evening news. Right. That means things are broken. Yes. Inexorably broken in any case. So, look, when I posted that, um, it made a Portnoy, uh, someone sent it to Portnoy because... Boy, oh boy, this Julius love snitch tagging. Um, and, you know, and, and it made him, it made him mad. Um, but, you know, look, Portnoy has advocated for using violence of the state on protesters he doesn't like repeatedly. And yes, you know, like, go take a look at what he said during the Ferguson protests and during the Black Lives protests in like 2014 to 2016. He advocated running them over with cars. Now he might say, that's just a joke. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> it's a kind of telling one, dude. Like, you know, he, there are, there are some like, like there are some, uh, so no, I don't like, <sighs> in any case, it made him mad. Some stoolies got in my menchies. It's fine. I really, really don't care. Um, like any like woman or person of color who ever tweets anything about them gets it a hundred times worse than I ever have. So like, if they want to get mad at me for, for a hot minute before deciding on to get, to get performatively angry about something else, really it's fine. In fact, one of my trolls is going to be my favorite thing I've read this week. So I'll, I'll save that all for a treat to, for, for someone else. Um, but I think that's the end of it. Like, and as far as Barstool's, like, long-term future goes, it's a strange thing. Like, you know, they don't – their readership is a lot smaller than, I think, the profile of them that most would have. Like, most people don't read the website. Most mm. people know them through social media accounts. Well, that's not – I don't that's, know. There are some – so, Bob, there, I swear, yeah. being in the South, like, I get asked when I tell people what I do – um, they'll be like, oh, I read Barstool all the time. Do you ever want to write for them? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean you read Barstool all the time? Go, what are you reading every figures. day? They, what? They get, they get, they get eight, the website gets, according to like Alexa and any publicly available, like I don't certainly have a, I don't sort of have access to the CMS, but if you look at any public facing sites that tabulate readership, they get like 8 million uniques a month. Nothing. But nothing. the podcast stuff seems pretty, pretty behemoth. Podcast do well, but like, yeah, it's a very, very popular podcast. I don't know if it's like by their own statement, it's not like podcast. This is a very far field discussion. If you want to talk the actual economics of podcasts, um, I might use a phrase like giant Ponzi scheme. But again, that's a conversation. Hey, hey, for hey you're on one, sir. You're on one. We're not a Ponzi yeah, scheme here God, at the Chase Thomas podcast. podcast. I thought I was calling into WFAN. You're not the mad dog, <laughs> Mike? What? In any case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's weird. It's like, you know, whenever I've, uh, like, whenever I've spoken to people who aren't very online or not extremely online – and, and don't know about these sorts of things. And I sort of, in Portland, for some reason or another, comes up in conversation. Like the most common response I've gotten is, oh, you mean the guy who eats pizza? And so I think, honestly, I, I really do think that's, that's the stuff I the hear down here that, is just they don't, the political correctness, like they built their brand around fighting back against that and bad faith arguments. And that's like they, my biggest thing against them is the bad I mean, faith it, arguments. It's, it's fine. Like, you go, okay, you guys want the ability to, say whatever you want to say they have that like there is they are you know and i think i said this on a previous podcast like congratulations to them for building one of the last like functional independent media companies in sports in particular like great job guys you did it that's not easy 
Um, and because of that, because of the merch sales, because of the podcast and podcast advertising dollars, they have the ability to say whatever they want. But for some reason, when someone else, even, you know, a lowly freelance reporter like me says, disagrees with them, they get really angry for someone who, who, who thinks that people should be speaking their minds more freely. Andrew, we haven't heard from you in a bit. What, what do you think about all this? I went on a rant. I mean, he's not wrong. Um, <laughs> that, that's the best way to put it. Like, I'm just sitting here like, mm-hmm, he's right. No, he, here's as, – as we kind of tie a bow on this thing, my issue and I think the issue with a lot of people is that, yes, the times change. You know, we, we are – you know, by and large, whether you like it or not, a more politically correct society. I like to say it. We are more aware of of things that can be said, things that can be read. Like we're we're more aware. Um, people want to call it being woke, um, which is weird. Um, like it's it's like they're making you feel bad about being a caring person. It's weird. It's so fucking weird that, you know, if 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 a female or a minority journalist were to say something bad about Barstool and call them out for whether it is, um, you know, not hiring black people, not, you know, doing essentially not doing business with black people, not supporting black athletes, you know, uh, doing black lives matter stuff. Like it, if anybody were to call them out on that, they're called, uh, a social justice warrior. They're called being woke. They're called, uh, my favorite one is the whole, um, Oh God, what is that? It's a stupid term. It's a, um, Uh, your virtue signaling like what the fuck like when is it why is it bad to care about something like why is it why is it wrong in their minds it's that you don't actually care and you're doing it for clout yeah which is the whole idea behind virtue signaling is like it's it's an interesting turn of phrase because it implies that anyone who actually does care about something besides their own immediate needs is a liar yes and a fraud um which i don't know (laughs) i'd like to think that there are times when many people are capable of seeing merit in things beyond their own immediate needs i I, (laughs) it's like it's incredibly cynical at its core yes It's, it's it's the belief that like no one who ever says anything like look when i say like when i for example we'll talk about how you know uh, <laughs> if, if something bad happens to a person who does not share my race my gender and my ethnic origin and i say this is bad i think this should stop that i don't actually care about those people because they're not in whatever tribe they're not in my tribe in one way or another and like Man, that is a bleak outlook on life, and I think it's it's projection because, like, like the people who scream about virtue signaling think that actually, like, assume that everyone is as shitty as they are. I, which is really depressing, especially when you consider that kind of like poor man's barstool at Jace is adding more people at Outkick and that kind of stuff, and I don't know, I. Speaking of readership, I, nobody reads that blog, man. Yeah. Nobody reads it. Nobody like reads it. They got like a little bump when Clay decided he was going to become a White House advisor. But nobody's reading their stuff, man. Bad news. I read it from time to time and I'm just like uh, oh, sure. what is this? <laughs> like well, what am I reading? This is just I was, weird. I was gonna say they read it for one thing like it's how do I put it? It's one of those things where people read Outkick. It's like, oh yeah, we're getting all these all this readership and all this coverage. And I just want to be like, uh guy guys, that 
it's not for what you think it is. Like every time, you know, that bar, not Barstool, but Outkick will talk about, oh, yeah, no, we have, uh, you know, we have so much readership this week. And I'm like, okay, what stupid thing did Jason Whitlock say that everybody <laughs> is going to look at the stupid thing Jason Whitlock said? Like it's, and that's the other thing with uh, we'll, we'll we'll discuss it more off air because I don't want to send more readers this way. But there was a there was a blog from from Jace from I think last week or maybe earlier this week that Andrew I, I'm going to have to send you because it's it's some choice material. It is some real wah. yeah just, just out there stuff, man. It's just he's uh, he's not tethered to reality in a way that 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 seems healthy to me <laughs> but in any case which naturally brings us to the What's 76ers that? willing to include ben simmons in a trade for james harden andrew and would you do this just make the goddamn trade already <laughs> like i'm tired and, and chase this is nothing against you okay. but i'm just i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> jockeying i'm tired of the the lies that and and propaganda that both organizations are trying to push and any adjacent organization that is just basically like oh we might be interested and they're having to you know they, they have their own rumors coming out like i'm just tired of it just make the damn all, deal did you see all the tea that got spilled to espn about harden that and that's the end. other thing. That's it's just. Oh my god! They were like someone decided. <laughs> I mean, it, the best thing is like there's no way that came from anyone still on the Rockets because right. there is no point in in dumping a bunch of gossip with, with the goal of which seems to be like to portray James Harden as being someone you wouldn't want on your team. So that is not something the Rockets dumped. But boy, did someone want to drive that price down. Woo! You don't that have to. Deep. Superstar trades drive themselves down. Like, they never work out for the team. And I think the Rockets at least know that. That, like, if we trade James Harden, we're screwed. Okay, I have a fake. Uh, my fake Harden trade is to trade him to the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm. For who? That's the one that I want Ingram? to happen. For Ingram. It can't happen until February 28th. But you build a package around Ingram. Ingram, Lonzo Ball, who they're not going to resign next year anyway. Uh-huh. Um, you and you dump Eric Bledsoe. You take on Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon's contract, four-year contract. You get the Rockets to throw in PJ Tucker and Ben McLemore because there's really no use for them on a rebuilding team. You give them this year's New Orleans first. You give them the late round picks that LA and Milwaukee owe to uh, New Orleans in I think it's 2023 and 2024, and then you throw in a and 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 that's it. Three firsts, a young star in Ingram, another a possible stud point guard. Well, I don't know if we can still call Lonzo a possible stud. A quality point guard, still young in Lonzo Ball, and that's the trade. You're popular. Who has a it, Bob? Is that a home phone? No, let's just say I have, a, I have an old phone ringtone on my phone. Oh, I like it. Rings like an old timey phone. I love. Um, that. yeah. So that's my trade. That's my trade. Is I don't think New Orleans wants Harden around Zion. I think it would work like a like. Look, if you're starting front, if you are then rolling out a. James Harden, um, Eric Gordon, pick any one of the remaining guards on the roster, like Jason Hart, uh, Nicole, uh, Alexander, uh, Nicole Alexander, and, um, and, 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 no, you traded Bledsoe for Gordon. So Bledsoe and uh, Ball are both going in this deal? Yeah. Mm. You're dumping Bledsoe's three-year contract. My, see, I would do something even, I, I just, if I'm Adam, Houston... If I'm Houston, and Zion, I'm, that's yeah. a good team, man. That's a team that can contend. I, I don't know. I don't think the timelines match up cleanly enough. Because um, I think that by the time that Zion's an actual 
top five, top ten player if he gets there. Harden's probably not a top five, top ten. I feel my, my as I have stressed in my many fantasy one really fantasy basketball drafts. I think Zion's going to have a monster year. I think he's going to have just an absolutely. See, yeah, we were talking about that in the pod this week with Dan. I think Ingram's value is going to go down significantly. the The spacing in New Orleans this year is going to be a, a really big problem. Like you cannot play Bledsoe and Lonto ball as your two league guards in crunch time. No, I don't think not going to have space to operate. They've got, enough, they've got enough shooters to surround. I don't think so. Look at the roster, man. They don't have a lot of shooters. They have a lot of defense now, but I don't think they have a lot of shooters. They got shooters. JJ Redick. Yeah. He plays 24 minutes a game. That's they got it. Redick. They've got Hart. They've got Hart Mark Alexander. Really they should play him more. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> they've got like, it's going to be a little tight with, Stephen Hayes and Jackson, Stephen Adams and Jackson Hayes soaking yeah. up all the minutes at the center. But right. between Ingram and Reddick, and I think Blanco is at least going to force teams to guard him at the three point line or Bledsoe. I mean, like Bledsoe is not a, 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 you know, he's not an Alfred Payton type three point shooter. The spacing isn't great. And I have questions about why they wanted to re, like bring Adams on. But I feel like they're going to like, I, Ingram, I'm less sure, of, but I'm I feel fairly confident that Zion is going to have just a gonzo year. I said the same thing last year about Luca, and so I've never been wrong for uh, a year and a half about this. So that's that's my take on that. <laughs> Andrew, what is your dream James Harden trade? Just make one. I was waiting for that. <laughs> like, and and and, uh, and I'm not trying to like you know crap on the question, but seriously. Just, just make the damn trade. See, I send him to tired. Indiana. I do it for Oladipo. Two unhappy dudes who are mercurial. Like I do a Oladipo. Send Harden to Indiana. Like I am sending his ass to Indiana. Like I understand they want to keep James happy for Oladipo and his expiring is what I was going to do. I'm Robert. Just, that's not enough. No, it's not enough. So you do that, and then you do Brogdon probably, or Sabonis, or Turner. One of those makes it enough. So let me see. Yeah, Turner and Old Depot. Yes, it works. Uh, the other place I would say I would try I would say is like have if Portland offered a package builder on CJ McCollum and Zach Collins, they should do it. Oh yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat, hundred percent. But I don't think Portland would do it. Yeah, there's this weird. I was talking about this. Uh, there's this very strange uh, Portland fan, James Harden. Uh, no, we we would never sully our roster with a man of this low character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people like, just enjoy it. Like, I don't have a problem if you enjoy your team and you're terrified of adding James Harden into your incubator. Like, I don't think that's outlandish. I think there are some teams, like, if you're the Kings, like Kings fans who are like, I, I don't know about that with the Aaron Fox. Like, you're the Kings. You haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. Like, you, you get James Harden if you're the Kings. Stop overthinking it. But if you're a team like dallas or you're a team like golden state you're like "Ah, i don't know i'd rather just him stay away i'm okay with that i think it just depends on the situation i'm okay with certain teams being like certain team fans being like "Eh, i don't know like the hawks like i don't want trey and james harden like that that doesn't seem great i mean they'd be a lot of fun offensively but they're not good like harden's not going to stomach a trade to a team that can't contend immediately so you can wipe well it doesn't matter like he doesn't have a choice he can't decline it doesn't, but I don't think a team that isn't built to contend is going to sit there and want to acquire a pouty James Harden. Maybe I'm or, petty. I don't know. I would do that. You might be petty. I might be petty. I don't know. Something about James Harden. It, great player. Rubs me the wrong way. Um, what do we think, Andrew? It's time for our college football minute. You're not going to believe this, but it has college to be. College football minute! Yeah! Oh, Bob, I need you to do all the sounds for this podcast. I'm just going to clip all these sure. sounds as we do different segments, and I'll just pipe them in. Um, Andrew, what do you think about Dabo and Brian Kelly pushing back at not having parents allowed the Rose Bowl and them threatening to not play if parents are not allowed? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The Rose Bowl and I can't believe I'm actually saying this. They're right. The Rose, as soon as, and this is even going back to last summer, and I think the the collective can kicking and waiting for somebody else to make a move 
is going from it, – it's, it's happening with everybody. Uh, but, no, the, the Rose Bowl, I get you. You know, you can't have fans in the stands. Totally get that. Move the game. Like, I get I – mean, <sighs> I, I hate agreeing with Dabo and Brian Kelly over this, but I, I do agree with it. That it makes like, no sense I, to do it. It, it. it makes no sense to – I mean, here's the thing. You can call it the – like the committee was like, well, if we put it if we put it in Dallas, we can't call it the Rose Bowl. Everybody knows it's the fucking Rose Bowl. <laughs> You're just playing it. I mean, they, they played the Rose Bowl in Pasadena – other than one year that was like either 1942 or 1943, and they played it in Durham, North Carolina because of World War II. Yes, these are different circumstances, but you can still move the game. I I don't have a problem with them, and and they should have done this in September, October. Play the... National championship, play both semifinals, play them in the same uh, city. No matter where you put it, you want to put it in Houston, Atlanta, Dallas, Miami. Like you could, you could just play both of them somewhere. Like it, it's not that complicated. And especially if you're going to have, you know, parents and, 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 and family in the stands. It's 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 okay. Um, the, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, Dabo and Brian, they're going to complain. The CFP should just, you know, not let them play. Okay. All right. All right cool. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to move Iowa State and Texas A&M up there. Okay. So are are you sure you want to do that? You, you know who's only going to be happy about it? The fans of Iowa State and Texas A&M. Um, I, like I said, I don't have a problem with Brian Kelly and Dabo saying that. Uh, I, I do find it uh, a bit comical that they're saying this now um, and they're being approached with this now. Once again, it's not on them. The Rose Bowl should have been more. The Rose Bowl loves tradition so much that they don't want to change. Uh, I.e., why do you think? all of the split national championships have occurred due to some part, the Rose bowl, not budging. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't shock me. It's so dumb. Um, and I think there, there's also a sense of, we want to win a national championship, but we also want to end this damn season. And it's just kind of like, let us just have fans. Or let let the parents just come to one game. Because here's the thing: if 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 Notre Dame ends up losing to Clemson or Alabama in the playoff, you know whatever happens, the season's over. But Wait, the season's over for who? I'm just saying, season's over for Notre Dame. I don't like, think so. If they lose, no, I think they're in as long as they keep it close. Like I think. Notre no, Dame no, is... I, well, I, they're in regardless. But that's I don't think another. they're in regardless. If they get blown out, I think they're out. Here, because here's people my will say that Trevor Lawrence Here, was the difference. Here's my question, though. Yeah. And and I, and I I had to ask somebody this earlier in the week. What's the case for Texas A&M and Iowa State? Oh, Texas A&M has a strong case. They beat Florida, especially if Florida keeps it close with Bama. Um, uh, they played more uh, games. Uh, 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 mind you. What's what's what is uh, Texas A&M's best win? Florida. Okay. What did Florida do last week? They lost on crazy shenanigans. I don't. They know. lost to an LSU team that they should that they should. Max have Johnson's beat. good, dude. Max Johnson, Mark no, Rick's wife, our sister's son, Brad here, Johnson. He's got he's got it in his DNA. So. Here's here's my issue: why Texas A&M is not going to get in. I don't think they're going to get in either, but I think they have a better case in Ohio State. I. One thousand percent believe. I, I I would agree, uh, but the thing is, every time every everybody on earth knew that Ohio State returning and the Big Ten returning, like this is what the Big Ten wanted. They wanted Ohio State in the playoff because they knew. And why do you think half of the pollsters decided? Oh, you know, 
I'm going to keep Ohio State in my top five, although they haven't played for a month. Uh, the issue that Texas A&M has is that, one, you're dealing with the Ohio State factor. And I think a lot of people are going to be mad at Notre Dame if they lose. And like, oh, well, Notre Dame played a bulk of their games. Like two, what was it? Uh, one got canceled or one got moved, but then they decided, okay, we pretty much know who is going to be playing in the ACC championship game. You know, so we'll, we'll just bypass that. Texas A&M, they're, for me, Texas A&M's biggest issue is, okay, congratulations, you won, so Alabama wins. You're more than likely going to get a rematch with Texas A&M, Alabama. Yeah. Because you you can't, and the thing is, like, somebody was saying, well, they can move Texas A&M third. Okay, so that means that you're going to tell Ohio State, who basically, who you who you've had in the top four anyway. Oh, yeah, you have to move down a spot. So we avoid a uh, Clemson-Alabama or uh, Texas A&M-Alabama rematch. Yeah. What? what? So, so we well, have to a make rematch room on for... both sides. Uh, well, because yeah, yeah, it would be course. Notre Dame-Clemson again. And that's what I want, personally. I would love a, a trilogy. I think these two... like That was my favorite college game of the season, was Notre Dame-Clemson. And I want to see that again. In the, if they meet in the... Uh, if they meet in the playoff championship, absolutely. Uh, the the issue with with a rematch is okay. Who who wants to see a rematch of Texas A and M Alabama? I saw that game. Mm-hmm. No, I think it would be better this time. I think Texas nope. A really figured a lot of stuff nope. out. I really nope. do. No, Texas A and M is not good. They're very good. I don't think that's Te- here's here. Texas A and M is it, it, they have Georgia syndrome, which is we were ranked. We, we had a good spot in the rankings to start the season. The two games that we played, or, or, or the, the most important games of the season that, that we had on our schedule, we lost. Um, and so we basically just kind of hung around the top 10, didn't really like make a big splash. We won the games on our schedule, and we're still here. Congratulations. Like the main reason I'm against an 18 playoff, especially this year and under these rules, Georgia would is is currently ranked eighth eighth in the playoff poll. What has Georgia done to deserve a playoff spot? I mean Georgia hasn't now, but Georgia's I mean they're I'm just I'm just saying, but but if the season ended today, yeah. he had an he had the ranked the top eight teams. You're going to put Georgia in. I wouldn't do that personally. But I, you're, I'm, having I'm just, multi, you're having different conversations, which is what would they do versus what would I do personally and what would you do personally? I think it's no, just I'm different. No, I'm, I'm just – I'm, I'm saying that if if we go by the top eight seeds, if they were, if they were to do an 18 playoff, you're going to have a Georgia team who, quite frankly, is coasting off of a preseason ranking. That's the only reason why they're up there. And I mean, they're very good. And JT Daniels has changed things and they're just loaded with talent. So I think Georgia I, should be I, favored against most teams. But we do this with Georgia every year. But as you should, like with the Kirby era, they have a bunch of talent. They've been the second best, third and, best team in the country. And, and, and the two games that were on their schedule that were going to make or break their season, they absolutely crapped out well i have a question for you and then we'll yes. put a bow on the college football portion of this podcast um it we've seen notre dame lose two times to mm-hmm. this george iteration um with jt daniels under center with pickens out wide with what we've seen from georgia's offense the last couple of weeks and what we've seen from notre dame's offense and just what you've done defensively on a neutral site this season do you think the number two team in the playoff would be would be favored against georgia on a neutral site Oh, absolutely. I'd say three and a half. Ooh, see, I don't think it'd be three, favorite. Three. I think George would be favored by like six, six or seven. See, the thing the thing with I, I like about Georgia is yes, they have improved. I will no problem with that. I look at their body of work and I'm just like Okay. Like it 
it's not their year, but my whole thing is like their talent and the talent is unavoidable. Like they just have more talent than just anybody outside of Bama. I totally agree, but I've, I've, it's, I've seen this movie before with Georgia. Mm. Like that's, that's where if they, if, if we were to do an 18 playoff, no. Um, because once again, if you start off at a, at a good ranking and really kind of sort of don't do anything to, you know, plummet up or down, you're just kind of there. And I don't know, like, I want to see what this Georgia team does in, they're probably going to be in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati or something. Like, I want to see if they can actually show up on a big stage. Which is fair. Which is fair. Bob, are you there? Yeah, what's up, guys? What were you talking about? Oh, your favorite, college football. I love college football. I know it's you do. You, football you love your... and college, those are great things. Have you been, uh, what have you been doing without the Ivy League playing this fall? Like, have you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how have you I, lived? I, I, yeah, man, that's been tough. No trips to glorious Baker Field to watch the, <laughs> the Columbia Lions play. It's been a real, been a real hardship. We've all had to make sacrifices. I understand, I understand. <laughs> Are you ready to do your picks of the week, guys? Yeah, man. All right. Bob, your pick of the week. What is it? Well, uh, just to harken back to our previous conversation, um, Stooley's like to or, or, or Stooley's like to try to troll reporters by sending fake tips. And I get a bunch of them whenever I whenever I've reported a story about Barstool. But there is one guy who tries to troll me has tried repeatedly. I think this is the third time he's either DM'd me or emailed me. And like, I'll read you the email because it's really funny. And the email goes, hello, Robert. I currently work for deleted and I have some DMs that were submitted between Dave Portnoy and a deleted that you're really going to want to see. Let me know if you're interested. Now, I guess that could possibly be a tip of some kind. But the problem is he either sends it from the email address that is posted on the Medium blog where he brags about trolling people or makes a burner email account with the same name as the one that's posted on his Medium account where he talks about burning people, like trolling people. So every time he emails me, I write him back and I go like, listen, buddy, if you want to troll me, just really use a slightly different name or else I'm going to keep referencing this medium post where you bragged about trolling another reporter. And I'm like, man, what do I got to do to attract a better class of troll? I, I really need to up my game. It's very upsetting to me. Like to my one troll, if you're listening and I'm not going to name him because there's no need for people to, to dump on him for being a doofus online or anything like that. But if you are a fan of the Chase Thomas podcast, which why wouldn't you be? Hell um, yeah, Bob. That's how you earn that weekly spot. That is how you do it. Um, if you are a fan of the Chase Thomas podcast and you're listening, I'm like, buddy, it takes two seconds to make a burner email account. You can say any, you can, you can make up any kind of fake name that you want. And there's a slightly greater chance that I'll respond and you might be able to troll me. Granted, I'm pretty good at telling when someone is a legitimate source. And even if I reply, after one or two emails, you can usually, it's usually fairly clear. But just take the extra step. It takes maybe a minute to set up a Gmail account. So that's my pro tip to all my trolls out there. Please try a little harder because I feel like I've put in the effort so you can too. I like it. I like it. Andrew, your pick of the week. What is it? Um, hmm. Honestly, I'm going to call, I'm, I'm going to say, watch all the college basketball that you can. Go over balls. the next, oh, yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, man, that was not a shot against Tennessee. Uh, I say this, as somebody who loves the sport of college basketball mm-hmm. and loves uh, everything about the history, I'll, like I'm, I, I absolutely Bob's love it. Bob's a big Bucknell guy. 
Love some some bison. But, yeah, but the issue that's going to come up, and I think it's probably going to happen. Look, just across, I don't love Buck Nell. I'm a Mike Muscala fan. <laughs> are, are, aren't we all? Um, right. The big thing for college basketball, watch as much college basketball as you can, essentially, uh, for the rest of the year, because I think mid-January, I truly believe we're going to have a national lockdown. Uh, college basketball is not going to be around, and... Uh, we just don't know how long college basketball is going to be around even before lockdown. Uh, it feels like games are getting canceled every other week. So, yeah, uh, just watch as much of it as you can because it, it could soon be taken away uh, due to a lockdown or teams just not having enough players and having to shut down for a few weeks. So get, uh, get as much college Seize huh? the day. Seize the day, Gabby. You fucking rosebuds while you make kids. Basically. Yeah. My pick. It's a John Grisham book that I read this week. Oh. Grisham, he, he, I'm not going to say he's underrated, but you know, okay, so, like, you guys are not going to believe not this. To go, not to go full Simmons, but he feels properly rated to me. <laughs> Well, yes. hold on. I think people just like snark when I'm like reading a Grisham, and I also just can't because Arrested Development is my favorite comedy of all time. Like I can't. Whenever I pull up a John Grisham, I'm like, pop up, gets a Grisham. Um, I can never not mm-hmm. think about that. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. Grisham is solid. Like all of his stuff is just solid. Like I, but I, I opened it's the book and I was telling quality. You, can, he does quality pop boilers. Yeah. I would recommend you get into John Lacar. Okay, if you like Grisham. Read John LeCar. Read sm- like Smiley's people. Read Tinker Tailor Soldier Spot. Well, I was John telling Lecar, uh, the lady friend. I was like, "You're not going to believe this, but um, this book, this Grisham, and guys, you're not going to follow this either." But it's based in Mississippi. Shocker. Yes. It deals with murder. And guess what? They go to the courtroom. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it goes to the courtroom. <laughs> Is it the Lincoln lawyer? Which one is it? The Reckoning. Oh, okay. It's very good. Very good. I, I Link, like it Link a lot. Lawyers in Texas somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, Bob, is there anything that uh, you would like to share to the uh, fine folks? No, not at here? the moment. <laughs> no. No, not right now. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Andrew. Come, come say hi to me. Come say hi and check out my menchies at, at Bob Sayeta. There's some of your, there are a bunch of guys who are not mad. You mm-hmm. can check They're actually happy. They think it's fun. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what about you? Uh, nothing right now. Um, just uh, how how's into the archives going? Um, we are gearing up. Oh, I'm gearing up. I should say we can't came and say we. It's a one man operation. Um, I'm going the to we. the editorial we. Right. Um. <laughs> I am in the process of kind of doing some revamping with the show. And then uh, the first show coming back into the new year will debut on January 8th. Uh, So, yeah. All right. And, folks, keep up. Keep your eyes and ears peeled because there will be an announcement coming soon regarding this very podcast that I'm very excited about that I still cannot talk about. Um, But. That is coming. Sponsorship from Yeti Coolers. Mm. Is that it? Mm. No, 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 not Yeti. Um, but that is cool. I, I, because I'm a huge dork, I've thought about uh, who my favorite presenting sponsor. Who would fit? Who would fit me most, guys? Who would fit the sports reporters most as a brand? Who should sure. sponsor us? Who who makes the most sense for our aesthetic? Oh God, I can't think of a good joke right off the top of my head. <laughs> Same. I'm just like I. I'm sure. I'm well, sure. I'm sure you guys can with figure the, it out. I don't know. Uh, men going their own way. Uh, mm. That website is that the one? I, How about sure. that? There you go. I like it. I like Big it. cows. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I was thinking Camel Blues. Why? You don't smoke. No, but well, I, I, I mom. Turn off the podcast very quickly. Uh, may have daffered in it uh, a little bit back. Oh, there. that's nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, smoking is cool. Everyone knows that. That's fine. Smoking is the coolest looking thing a human being can do, and the sooner it, that we acknowledge it, that it it looks cool as fuck, 
we can move forward in society. But until we acknowledge smoking that weed, collectively. Smoking weed, yes. Hmm? Sm- sm- cool. Smoking weed, yes, but not cigarettes. No, cigarettes look cool. Uh, not, there's nothing Two cooler than a cigarette. The cooler sports photos on the internet are from the, from like, from the 70s and, and 80s is Dave Parker and or Keith Hernandez looking pissed off in the clubhouse holding a cigarette. Yes. Those are very cool photos. 100% agree. There's just something about it that's cool. Um, for that guy up there in the Northeast, Bob Silverman, for that guy up there in the Northwest, Andrew Hammond, for myself down here in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee, that is all I've got. Guys, thank you as always for the time. We'll be back next Friday. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.